0: Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Karina Negron Designs. Enjoy handcrafted products carefully made with love and dedication from a Christian small business today. Karina Negron is a Puerto Rican artist who works with a variety of artistic mediums. She recently started her Etsy shop, where you can find beautiful botanical artwork, 100% natural soaps, decoupaged earrings, gemstone necklaces and bracelets, stickers and other stationary items. Everything is made by her. Check her out on Instagram at Designs or her website at kareena.negrondesigns.com. When you support a small business, you are supporting a dream. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am so excited to have as my special guest today, Surin Backer. She represents Surin Backer Ministries, and she carries a unique anointing of holistic healing. Her ministry is marked by deliverance healing and miracles also personal prophetic ministry is a huge emphasis which includes pearls of hope conferences gifts of the holy spirit flow freely during her meetings and her teachings have challenged paradigms that have kept believers bound in religion suren's increasing influence is due to her focus on genuine intimacy with god healing individuals families and churches Her radio show has been broadcast nationwide, and Surin is gaining greater influence across different media platforms. I'm so honored to have you. Welcome, Surin, to the Make Life Matter podcast. Thank you so
1: much for having me. Really excited to be here with you.
0: Well, we were chatting just a little bit in our pre-show today just about what it feels like to be a woman in this season, in this generation, and the, the unique blessings of that and the unique challenges of that. So uh, we were chatting just a little bit about the fact in different ways we've kind of trailblazed as women. I was one of the first worship pastors that our pastor had ever heard of, a female worship pastor many years ago. And uh, you're discussing the fact that you are really becoming a prominent leading voice, an Asian voice in the Bible teaching, you know, arena. And sadly, neither one of us can really think of a lot of women in that space. So Talk to that for a moment, what that has felt like for you and how you feel God is raising you up in this season.
1: Um, You know, we were just talking about this, how when the Lord's asking us to be in the front lines or be a trailblazer, it's not something we ever thought we were. I, I never thought of myself as that. You just live your life and you just do what the Lord puts in front of you to do. So when the opportunity came, you know, over a decade ago where I was asked to be on radio or I was asked to do TV ministry for a local ministry, um, it just really struck me that I'd never seen an Asian female teaching Bible at a level that they were asking me to teach. Mm. In fact, I'd never been to a conference where there was an Asian person being, you know, highlighted in any way. Now, I know there are a couple that are around now, and we're, we're happy to be hosting one named Tony Kim from Bakersfield um, in this next coming conference. But I just realized that in America, we're very, very used to a certain type of Bible teaching from the African-American community, the the Caucasian community, Um, even among the Hispanic community, we have some people rising up, but I'd never seen an Asian woman, especially. Hmm. So it was something I really struggled with the Lord about. Like, I know I still have a little bit of an accent. I came to America when I was nine. Um, I know that that, um, I'm not the kind of look that they're necessarily looking for. So it was just, Lord, are they really ready for an Asian female to be Hmm. teaching Bible and as far as qualifications go I'm a seminary graduate I went to Fuller Theological Seminary I have a master's in theology wow. um, I went for a clinical PhD psychology program in, um, at Fullerst so it was an integrative program hmm. and yet I, I say that because I want the listeners to understand even if you have all these qualifications what you need to overcome is your emotional hurdles. Whatever baggage you have that keeps you from the destiny and the calling of the Lord has really nothing to do with qualifications, but the attacks of the enemy and how he will use other people's voices to try and keep you down. So I have some resistance. I had some people, I have one person come up and say, I really wanted to learn from you, but I couldn't because of your accent. I couldn't understand you. And yeah. it was just um. And I knew it wasn't true. Even when she was saying it, I knew it wasn't true, but it tweaked something inside of me that needed healing. So I had to do a lot of inner healing and go before the Lord and say, what do you call me to be? And this is where the prophetic ministry comes in. This is where the inner healing and the deliverance ministry comes in. Um, In order for me to be solidified in God's identity for me and not what the Mm -hmm. world says and not what I see in the world. I had to go in front of the Holy spirit and with Jesus and the father and receive healing in the places I felt Mm -hmm. damaged and broken. And I also had to agree with his design for my life. So when the prophetic voices came out and and before I ever had a ministry, when I was just a housewife at home, raising four children, when I started getting words like God is setting you up for media, God's going to set you up for this, God is going to use you in this. You're going to be a spiritual mother. You're going to be a prophetic voice "An apostolic voice. I'm going, I'm a stay-at-home mom raising four kids. How is this going to be happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I learned to be more like Mary and not Zachariah. So I didn't ask how. I just said, Lord, um, I submit this to you. I don't understand it. But this is what you call me to be. This is mm-hmm. what you designed me to be. So when you open those doors, I will say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's how my ministry kind of started. He just kept opening these doors. Um, Bible college came and asked me to teach as an agile professor. I'd never applied. And they just said, we need your voice. And that started a chain of uh, radio ministry coming and say, hey, our audience is saying they're kind of tired of the white male voice. We need some diversity in Bible teaching and you kind of fit all the bills. So would you come and be on radio with us? I don't even know how they found me in Eugene, Oregon, you know, but they did um tv ministry came out of that where they just said we just want to put you on air we'll edit we'll promote we'll do everything for free you tell us how often you want to be on tv and teach Is it once a week for half an hour an hour is it every day you just tell us what you want to do so the lord just brought these opportunities my way confirming his word and all i had to do was be brave enough to say yes
0: Mm, i love that i love your story and i'm I love it. And I'm simultaneously sad by it, saddened by it, because it's a shame that we're even still saying in 2021 that any of these things really should, should even be a factor. And they're not, they're not in the economy of God and in the kingdom of God, but as a woman, you know, in ministry, sadly, there are still hurdles. There are still obstacles. There are still glass ceilings. There are still misconceptions or preconceived ideas And so I'm just grateful that you have pushed through those places and that you are not only a leading voice in, in your own culture, but just in, in the country. And we need to stop saying within these silos of our own, you know, our own race or ethnicity or background, we, we pastor a multicultural church out here in outside of Washington, DC, we're on the opposite coast of you. And. I guess I just stopped seeing race so long ago. I've I've been to Africa 20 times and, you know, work with women there. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like when you get to know people, people are people and needs are needs. And when I'm ministering to women in Africa, yes, there are some unique dynamics of what they deal with there, but there are also some of the same, how do we balance our families and how do we manage these feelings of insecurity? Like you're talking about. So Talk, talk a little bit about the ministry the Lord has given you. I know you minister to women. You have a conference that you just completed, The Pearls of Hope. You also have a, a new book that's a revised edition, The Women in Jesus Life. So I would love to hear about some of the ways that God is using you in, in our generation. Well, I think um, what
1: the Lord really um, asked us to do is is start up a conference for local voices who are absolutely anointed, but don't necessarily have platforms. So in the beginning, it really started with highlighting local voices. And now we're morphing more into um, kind of a, a amalgamation of highlighting local voices and inviting some well-known speakers who carry a very specific message of reformation and activation for the body of Christ. Mm. So um, when we started, the Lord really highlighted to me how the body of Christ seems to be very, very obsessed over the father's love and healing the father wounds in our, in our souls. Um, But some of us, and a lot of us carry wounds from mothers, not just fathers. So um, I have three sons and I have a daughter and I have a son-in-law now. I have a daughter-in-law. So my family's growing. I'm a grandma and um, will be a grandma again, and I'm just like looking at the generational legacy the Lord's giving me with my family, and that's my first and foremost ministry. My primary passion is to make sure that my family is healthy. They love the Lord. They know they are the beloved of the Lord, so that's my very first priority always. I will never do anything or... um, do something in the name of divine calling that will take me away from what my primary ministry is. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of that, the Lord really highlighted to me how the body of Christ seems to be a single parent family. Mm -hmm. So we really um, marginalize mother's voices. And I know my sons need my voice. They need me to counsel them and speak into them as much as they need their father. So when this conference ministry started, I wanted to highlight mother's voices and it, I didn't think of it as a women's conference. I just thought we have these anointed great women of God who carry revelation and testimonies whose stories and whose teachings need to be shared. Hmm. But when people saw that it was mostly women teaching, they would start, start to marginalize it and they stereotyped it as a women's conference. I never did. So when people would interview me, they would call it a women's conference. and I let it go. I just thought, you know what? When the message is powerful enough and when the Lord shows this to be Mm -hmm. um, a value in the kingdom, the men will come. They will bring their sons. They will bring their husbands. They will bring their brothers and um, they will learn to listen and hear from a mother's voice as much as a father's voice. So I waited. And now we have a good third of our um, members who are coming not members, but uh, attendees who come are are men. It's the husbands who've seen their wives come to our conferences and be transformed. They got their healing. They got their deliverance. They got their miracles or they got an activation into into their prophetic destiny. So Mm -hmm. they get really excited. And they're like, why isn't there something like, you know, this for us, you know, locally. And so we've had women ask, can we bring our husbands? Mm -hmm. We're like, yeah, yes because my sons are there at every conference, my husband's there at every conference, and our board, they bring their husbands, and they bring their sons. So now it's just kind of morphed into a Christian conference. You know, when I go to a conference where it's all men speaking, I never call it a men's conference. Hmm. You know, and I don't think that only men should learn from men. Yeah. I think men should learn from mothers. Yeah. And I know my sons need to learn from mothers. Hmm. So um, I'm really privileged to be kind of trailblazing this conference where it's, it's mostly women, women speaking, but it's also honoring the platform of a mother in a family.
0: Oh, I love that. And I think I, I might've even done it. I might've just called it a women's conference with just instinctively without thinking. I'm so glad that you clarified that, you know, as an author, I've written two Bible studies and a devotional, and we've had this discussion with my publisher about the fact that still, the majority of books written by women are read by women. Now I don't give it a second thought to pick up a book that is written by a male author but there still is this gap this disconnect that eventually we're going to need to bridge. In fact my next book is a co-write with my father and it is wow. for men and women. I know I'm having just the best time writing with my dad. Wow. But it's it's intentionally designed for men and women to be able to read. And I'm not going to market it exclusively for women, but that's, for you. that's a, you know, that's kind of a risky, it's, it's actually a risk, even from a publishing standpoint, because as you've been saying earlier, it's just sadly not done very much. And so I think little by little, like you're saying, whatever has been the cloud over this is going to be lifted. And we could get into theologically the weeds of how some people have felt <laughs> like women shouldn't preach and You know, I don't want to spend the whole time in that, but we're just going to acknowledge that Jesus elevated women. And of course, um, there are so many different examples. In fact, I wrote about some of them in Fearless in my Bible study about the women that God used, including Priscilla, who was a leading part of the New Testament church, the Samaritan woman who was one of the first female evangelists. So let's talk a little bit about the women that you write about that you wrote about in the women in Jesus's life. Who did you choose to write about? You mentioned Mary. I instantly thought about her when you were talking about your own story. Who did you choose to write about and maybe give us some, some, uh, you know, some insights that you love the most in your research of them? Well, what I ended
1: up happening is I, I wasn't planning on writing a book, but I was asked to, and the Lord um, really invited me into this journey. And I kind of write that in the preface of the book so you can read about it. So um, I wanted to do character studies on these women, and these are the five women in Jesus's genealogy that are named. So we have like hundreds of people that could have been highlighted, and yet the Bible names five. So I really went into those five women plus Sarah, because Sarah was the original covenant keeper, or may, um, the Lord kept the covenant with her to be the mother of all nations. And um, and I did five women that, um, the, that the Lord Jesus just interacted with. And the woman at the well is one of the, one of the women. So what I wanted to do is bring um, not just biblical context and cultural and um, the story, but bring it to life and add uh, what I understand from the psychological dynamic and the social dynamic of it from my personal education. Um, But literally, I I can honestly say so many of the things that are discussed in the book are revelation from the Holy Spirit. I didn't even think of. And when I read the book after it was completed, I asked the Lord to give me a chapter a day for 10 days. And that's what he did, my original um, edition. And then we added one more chapter and I wrote that in two hours. And the Lord just gave me the stream of consciousness revelation about what was motivating these women. Mm. You know, what, why were they included in the Bible? Um, what, what did they have to overcome in order to even um, have an audience with the Lord? And why were these five women specifically highlighted by the word of God as pay attention to these women who are one of the mothers in Jesus's life. Mm. So um, I, I also made it into more like a workbook and, um, It's much more personal. It's not just, hey, what did you learn from the Bible? But it's, hey, have you gossiped or have you been uh, a victim of gossip and how have you handled that? And so what motivated you to gossip? And it really is kind of like an inner healing manual with the stories of of these women. So one of the revelations that I learned while I was writing this book um, is Mary was called the apostoli apostolorum in the original Um, She was often uh, referred to in Latin as as apostoli apostolorum, and it literally translates to apostle of the apostles or -hmm. apostle to the apostles. Mm -hmm. So she was one of the leading apostolic voices of her day. Mm. in a day when women couldn't even witness in a court you know as a as a verifiable eyewitness she was an eyewitness of his resurrection yeah. and she was an apostle that raised up other apostles so the lord he literally did galatians 3 you know like he got rid of all barriers between men and women Jews and Gentiles the rich and the poor and he just activated everyone in their original destiny and design regardless of gender and race mm. and economic class And Mary was such an example of that, such a powerful example of that.
0: You know, when you look at the women in Jesus genealogy, there's a lot of of sordid past. You have Rahab, Mm -hmm. you have Tamar. What what themes did you see emerge as you studied a a common denominator among these women? Wow. Um,
1: There was something about these women that had tenacity of faith. You know, regardless of what the culture would say, regardless of how they were treated, even though they were marked as a second class citizen and they were marked as property, they fought for something with the Lord. It's kind of like Jacob's wrestle when Jacob wrestled with God and and he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And God said, "Okay, I'm going to bless you. And now your name is Israel, which means he has contended with man. He has contended with God and he has triumphed. What a name. And so what I see in these women is there was something about them that said, I exist as an image bearer of the Lord. And now it's not something that they were saying consciously, but their lives modeled this. And it's why, why was I born? Who am I here on earth? And I will add value. There was something about these women that fought to add value to their community because they believed God to be real. So, um, one of the people that I really, we talked about this and I, I just kind of want to um, throw this in. One of the people I really want to meet when I go to heaven is, is Tamar because she's the one I I don't identify with at all. And yet the Lord gave me this amazing revelation about what motivated this woman. And when people say, you know, what's, what are some of your, your favorite stories? I'm like, read about Tamar, read about Bathsheba. Bathsheba was amazing. And one of these yeah. days, her story needs to be told properly. Yeah. So um, the Lord just gave such revelation about these women who are never, ever second-class citizens to him.
0: Mm, that's so good, and For anyone who's maybe listening and, and they're thinking, okay, Tamar, Tamar, refresh us a bit of her story. And, and you're right that God does not, ne- he never sees people as second-class citizens. And it is a It's a tragic story and it's a powerful story. So can you share a little bit about Tamar? And I I was going to ask that in a moment of who you might want to meet in heaven and might what you want to ask him. So let's just stay on Tamar for a moment. What strikes you so much about her and her story?
1: Well, Tamar was married to Judah's son and she was not a a person that, that Judah should have married into or his family should have married into. She was a Gentile. And um, the first husband died, err, because he was evil. And then the second husband, um, because of Le- Levirate laws, uh, if the first husband died without giving an offspring, the widow had a right to an offspring from the family. So the second brother slept with her but made sure that she wouldn't get pregnant and he his life was taken because of that evil and wickedness. And a weird kind of theology comes out of that 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 you know we don't want to go into. But anyway, Tamar was yeah. sent home because Judah had a third son and she still needed an offspring to have value in her life to make sure that she she contributed to the family and she has someone to take care of her in old old age. Um, and Judah said, I'll send for you when the youngest is you know old enough. And then he didn't. So Tamar was literally just in this holding pattern, and she knew Judah was betraying her and robbing her of her destiny. So um, she goes out and she seduces Judah. And when Judah doesn't have money to pay, he gives her his staff, his, his seal, and his um, oh, there was a third. There was there were three things that he gave. Um, anyway, I can't remember right now. And so she goes home with that, and then when, when she's found to be pregnant. They tell Judah, "Hey, this widow who's been waiting for your third son, our daughter now is is pregnant, and we don't know by whom." And Judah's response is, "Burn her to death." And I just really, we we just kind of gloss over this, but yeah. that is a pretty severe rage it right is. there, yeah. right hatred. So, um, so Tamar finally shows her family who's literally dragging her out to burn her to death. This is her family. Okay. They don't even protect her. They don't try to send her away. They're gonna burn her to death. So I want you to understand this is a woman who's been rejected by her family mm. and rejected by the family she married into. And yet she fought. So she brings out Judah's, you know, seal and his staff and, and says, This is the man who whose baby I'm carrying. And um her story is literally inserted right in between um Joseph being captured by his his brothers and sent in. Know, sold to Egypt and then we have this chapter on Tamar and then Joseph's story gets picked up again so um, the whole thing about Tamar is why was Tamar's story inserted here because Tamar redeemed Judah and my chapter really goes into how she redeemed Judah and how she fought for a destiny that was being denied to her so I love mm-hmm. saying she she wasn't the one robbing someone she was the one being robbed who refused to be robbed And she was being forgotten and she refused to be forgotten. She fought against Mm -hmm. everything. So that's not necessarily something I like resonate with. I don't really do that really well. I'm an Asian. If somebody (laughs) denies me something, I walk away. I'm like, I'll find it somewhere else. I don't fight for things. But Tamar fought and God's like, I so love this woman for fighting. And so from her comes the messianic line from her, not from Judah's son, but from Tamar, who um, conceived these twins in these weird convoluted circumstance, you know,
0: in this circumstance, she's the one that ended up bearing the messianic line. I love her story. Oh, I love it, too. And thank you for sharing. I was familiar with it. But I want to make sure our listeners know that story, because there are moments we can feel discarded, right, or that we have no value or overlooked or or, you know, we're only wanted or needed for one thing. And and that story, there's so many layers of that story that is a complicated biblical story theologically. But the the bottom line is God used women in a myriad of different backgrounds and circumstances and and used them for his glory is continuing to do that today. How are you finding God using women today? You're in a an arena where you're hearing God's voice, you're speaking God's voice in an apostolic prophetic way. What are you sensing God is saying, especially to women in this season? Well, you know, um, I feel like
1: the Lord is asking us to have a little bit of the Tamar spirit
0: and um,
1: not to give into cultural, um, societal or religious ideas of who we are, but to really read the Bible afresh and understand the role that we have in his, his plans. And, you know, from the original design, the Lord made man and woman and said, be fruitful and multiply. And they were co-leaders. They were mother mother and father. You know, and then we see um, even in in the New Testament, it says women are co-heirs with men, co-heirs, not inferior heirs, not children of men. But we are co-heirs, which immediately makes us co-partners or partners in in inheritance in, in inheriting the kingdom um, I really don't like making my ministry about making sure women are um, validated and important I don't like that because I have so much more to get in revelation and mm-hmm. activation mm-hmm. um, and yet because we're still in this religious place where women can run for office as president you know and we yeah. if they're a viable Christian option then we want them to you know win we want to vote them in and they're making crazy international decisions, right? So we're okay with that, whether they're running for governor or like South Dakota government is celebrated. You know, Christy, I forget her last name, um, is celebrated by the Christian circles because she's doing a phenomenal job. You know, she never shut down South Dakota and the economy is thriving. Right. So we can celebrate women in that kind of places. Of position and power and authority. And yet we will not allow a woman to take up a mic and preach in front of a congregation of 100 uh, people on yeah. a Sunday morning. Yeah, that's, that's not okay. So right. it, it's kind of like, I don't want to fight this battle. I really don't. But I have a daughter mm. and I have a granddaughter and people still ask us, you know, why is your woman out of order? To my husband. You know, it's your fault that she's out of order. You need to rein her in. And my husband's going, you know, God designed her this way. I have to answer to the Lord. I'm not going to be the one that says I kept her from preaching because it wasn't comfortable for yeah. me in the religious circles. He's like, I know who you are. You need to go preach. My whole family is the first ones to come alongside me and say, this is what you're made to do. This is what who you are. This is when your anointing comes out. This is when you're the most alive. We can see it. We can feel it. You go Mm -hmm. preach and they won't let me quit. So there's that. And I I really want to say to the women, you're not going to answer to religion at the end of your life. You're going to answer to the God who made you and gave you gifts and said, he's going to ask, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And you can't say, well, I buried it out of fear. I buried it, Lord. We can't say that. Whatever sphere we have, we have to take a hold of it. Be courageous enough to fight for the identity God placed in us and just go do the thing. Hey, if only two people will listen, then disciple the two. If only 10 people will listen to you preach, then go preach in front of the 10, Hmm. but do what you are called to do. And for me, when people say, Why do you have to preach? Why do you have to have an audience? I'm like, I don't have to have an audience. It's just that my gifting is. I require an audience. I can't preach to a wall. You're yeah, stuffed to transformation. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I know it seems like it's narcissism, but it's not. My gifting is preaching and I cannot preach to a wall. I need to preach to the body of Christ and activate them. So Amen. I really feel like in this season, the prophetic destiny of women is being so contested because the enemy was warned in Genesis. The woman will be your enemy. He doesn't warn the woman that the enemy is going to be your enemy. He warns the serpent, the woman is going to be a number one enemy. So ever since the beginning, the enemy has been very afraid for women to rise up. And yet when we see the body of Christ, most intercessory groups, most churches, most Bible study groups, most conferences, you will see the vast majority are women who are engaging in the ways of the spirit. And I have a whole teaching on why that is so absolutely biblical. He created us to do that. And um, that's a different kind of teaching, but we have to look at the Bible, not through the religious lens that's been handed to us. It's time for reformation. If we have to read the Bible through Holy Spirit revelation, original context, and understanding God's original design. And that goes all the way back to Genesis.
0: So powerful. I could listen to you for hours. I can tell we're cut out of the same cloth (laughs) and you're just scratching the surface on such a much needed conversation. The reformation that needs to happen, it's beginning Mm -hmm. and, and God is raising up voices in our generation. I'm an ordained minister within the assemblies of God. So I'm a part of a fellowship that has chosen to ordain women. But even within that, Sora, and I have fought those same battles. And I bought a t-shirt that says girl preach because you still want to be able to to admonish and encourage women and men. Do what God mm-hmm. has called you to do. Be who God has called you to be. Don't let a man-made barrier keep you from your God-given anointing. And that's what Amen. you're saying. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your voice. So I would love to talk to you all day, but sadly, we're going to come to a close in a moment. So let people know how they can find you, find your resources, your website, because I know they're going to want to connect with you. Um,
1: you can find me at surinbacker.com. That's my name, S-O-O-R-I-N-B-A-C-K-E-R.com or um, we are revamping right now. We, we were doing pearls of Hope conference for about six, seven years. We've done our 12th one. We will have finished our 12th one by the time this show airs. And the Lord really um, called us to transition from, from discovering divine destiny, which was our tagline to actually igniting reformers. And so now we're kind of done uh, with figuring out why we have destiny and igniting those who found their identity and, and, moving towards reformation. So our new uh, series of conferences will be called Power and Hope Conferences, Power and Hope. And we will start that in October in Portland, Oregon. So please look us up, um, like us at Facebook, Zubrin Becker uh, Ministries. Sp- Facebook took away my like button, you know, I can't even invite people anymore. It's the weirdest no. thing. So yeah, um, so find us and like us because it's time for this message to go out to empower not just men but to also empower women and become healthy kingdom families. You know, we need to become a healthy kingdom family.
0: Mm, I love that, sir. And I love everything that you're about. The way God is using. I wrote that down igniting reformers. And I'd love to have you back on a on a future podcast episode because I feel like there's so much more that we could dive take a deep dive into this topic because it is a needed conversation. And until we don't need to have the conversation anymore, then we need to have the conversation. So thank Amen. you for your voice. Thank you for igniting reformers and being willing to be a fighter, even though it's going against your nature, you're doing what God has called you and calling you to do. And you're inspiring a generation of fighters. And so I, for one, I'm so grateful. So I would love to invite you to pray over our listeners today, and I'll put how they can find you in my show notes, especially for anyone who just needs to step out of the shadows of feeling marginalized, feeling devalued, in Tamar's case, feeling discarded. Um, you know, speak to whatever you feel like God is laying on your heart for our listeners in this moment.
1: Um. Lord, I just thank you for Angela, and I thank you for this ministry where she's highlighting voices that need to be highlighted in this season, and I just thank you that I'm part of that. Um, I really had no idea that our interview would take the, the direction that it did, but I feel like this was so much the Lord, so I just want to speak to the people who are listening who may be feeling, um, do I even have a purpose and a destiny, and if I do, why did God make me this way, and I just, I just really release joy over God's design and creation in you. I release peace. And Lord, I just ask for comfort and confirmation and that you would surround those who are feeling especially discarded or abandoned or forgotten or unimportant or unvaluable in any way, that the lies of the enemy would be exposed and they can break every partnership with those lies because the enemy cannot stay in your life unless you agree for him to be there. So break every agreement you're making with the enemy right now, that in any way, God made you a second class citizen or you're inferior in any way, because that is not true. When you exist and you're created by the Lord, the living God, the savior who redeemed you, he did it because he loves you and he could not imagine his life without you. His dream has come alive in you. And every time you take a breath, his his dream comes alive and he's pleased with you just because you exist. He's delighted with you just because you exist. So, Lord, I just ask that you will release that pleasure, the lavish love of the Savior in their lives, the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the Father's embrace. And in the midst of that healing, release your destiny, Lord. Release your purposes. And, and Lord, everything that you've written in the scrolls of their lives and their destinies may it come to pass. May it be um, come to complete fruition in their lives. Surround them with people who believe in them. Let it be a new season. And we declare a new season of reformation personally and corporately in the body of Christ. And Lord, surround these people with their tribe who believe in them and who can call out their divine destiny in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley, Dahlberg, Yao, PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at LawFirmVirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV and Instagram at angeladenadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.